the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Friday, September the 23rd, 2022, in the year of our Lord. On September 23, 1952, Senator Richard Nixon, he appeared on television from Los Angeles to refute allegations about improper campaign fundraising. That speech was effective. It saved his uh, nomination to the vice presidency. And uh, it became known as the Checkers speech. Interesting story behind that. We won't get any further into that today, but that happened today, 1952. Today in 1780, British spy John Andre, he was captured along with papers revealing that Benedict Arnold had a plot to surrender West Point to the British. Today in 1806, Lewis and Clark and their expedition, they returned to St. Louis more than two years after they had set out for the Pacific Northwest. Those of us who live in the Pacific Northwest know they left their tracks all over the place out here. It was very helpful. It allowed us to come out here and live. Today in 1962, the Jetsons, that animated cartoon series about a space-age family, remember that? They were jetting around in those little space modules or whatever they were. Yeah, 1962, today, that uh, cartoon series debuted, Space Age Family, debuted on um, ABC television. That was the first program in color on ABC television. Today, 1987, Senator Joseph Biden, Delaware, a Democrat, he withdrew from the Democratic presidential race following the discovery of plagiarism. Lots of plagiarism in things he had written. And he had borrowed quotations from other people and made them his own, even like he had made up that stuff. He had come up with that. Interesting. Today in 2001, President George W. Bush returned the American flag to the full staff at Camp David, symbolically ending a period of national mourning following the 9-11 attacks. And today in 2016, President Barack Obama vetoed a bill to allow the families of 9-11 victims to sue the government of Saudi Arabia. He argued that we couldn't do that, even though everybody knew they were behind 9-11. He said we can't do that because it will undermine national security. Of course it will, Barack Hussein Everybody knew that wasn't true. Both the House and the Senate voted to override Barack's veto. That's some of the things that have happened today in history. I believe that we live in some unusual times for sure. I'm going to get into that today. I want to talk a little bit about a little bit about religion in America. And how there is a trend toward customizing Christianity. 
And this is based in some studies that have just been released. We'll get to that in a moment. Antifa, Antifa, remember that Antifa guy? He tried to uh, firebomb the Seattle Police Officers Guild. I think his name is Moore, maybe his last name. Uh, anyway, remember when all that was going on, Capitol Hill and all that kind of thing? Well, this guy was was trying to get to the building. He was going to firebomb it and try to burn it down. And he had all this stuff with him, his par- paraphernalia, gasoline, and so on. Well, he was part of this group that was carrying out this uh, anti-police demonstration, you know, defund the police and all that. Well, he approached the um, Seattle Police Officers Guild, SPOG, as they call it, and he got into a, a scuffle, very violent uh, physical uh, confrontation, and then he ran away. And he got away. Well, the police got him later, but they went out and started investigating. They smelled gasoline and they found Molotov cocktails in the parking lot next to the building, ready to go. They were going to attack the building. Well, he has just reached a plea deal over his plot to firebomb the Seattle Police Officers Guild. And everything's going to be just fine. And he's going to live happily ever after. Consequences are hard to find nowadays aren't they? I wanted to mention this in passing this morning. Uh, The Republicans have a plan. I'm glad to hear that because I I thought they should have had, we should have had, but they came out with a press conference yesterday. In less than two years, they said, uh, President Biden and Speaker Pelosi have forced an agenda that wrecked our economy driving inflation in alarming levels. Far-left socialists have opened our southern border in illegal immigrants. This is a number of, of leaders in uh, Congress, Republican leaders in Congress. And uh, they say that the socialists have opened our southern border to illegal immigrants, made us dependent on hostile foreign nations for our energy, and empowered our enemies overseas. Yeah, we kind of all know that. But I'm glad to see that they're formalizing this and they're beginning to talk about it. They said week after week, Democrats refused to consider any bills on the House floor that would address the serious problems that families are facing. That's true. And most of us know that as well. But here's what they said. They said, we have a plan. Today, House Republicans are rolling out our commitment to America. That reminded me, that's what they're calling it, commitment to America. I'm glad they're doing that. I'm glad they're doing something. I mean, they're just, they, they need to move. And it looks like maybe they're going to do this. But commitment to America, that reminded me of a few years ago. Remember remember when Newt Gingrich, how he became Speaker of the House, actually, he put together a group of Republicans and they communicated and they talk, they called it Contract with America. This sounds very familiar and close to that, which was a good thing. Because it uh, was very effective. They communicated with one voice and they said the same thing again and again and again. And they said the right thing. I think at a glance, honestly, I think the Republicans are saying the right things here. There's things I wish they were saying, but they, they don't want to say too much. They want to make it concise so people will eventually understand and remember leading up to this midterm election. I hope they're not too late in this. But nonetheless, this commitment to America is a bold conservative vision, that's what they're calling it, for a a prosperous America that will reverse Biden and Pelosi's self-made crisis. That sounds a little bit to me like some 
ad guy, some PR firm wrote that for them, but I, I think they've adopted it as their own. I hope they have. But they said, our plan is built on four key principles. These are the things that they should be saying again and again and again if they want to push this this commitment to America. And I, I think it's a good idea, and I, and I hope and pray they do, because we definitely need to change some things in America. But they said there are four key principles. First, an economy that is strong. Second, a nation that is safe. Third, a future built on freedom. And fourth, a government that is accountable. And they're going to then, you know, there'll be subtitles below all of that, I assume. And they'll, when they talk about, you know, an economy that is strong, they're not going to just be saying we need an economy that is strong. They're going to be saying how we can achieve that. All they have to do is look over their shoulder just a few years ago when, when Trump was in office, I mean, this nation, as far as the economy, was roaring. And I mean, by all accounts, so much so that the Democrats panicked. They didn't want that much success going on here. So that's where we are politically today. I was very glad to hear that. One other thing I wanted to make you aware of. Boy, the Air Force Academy, has they have lost their mind. And it frightens I think me and all of us little people out here across America, D and I, they say on this flyer, is important at the United States Air Force Academy. D and I, of course, is diversity and inclusion. They say on this flyer, for all of the cadets, They say critical to developing war fighters prepared to lead the USAF slash USSF. That would be the Space Force with character. Here's how they're going to create character. How we can lift others, motivate our teams if we don't know our people. Or how can we lift others and motivate our team if we don't know our people? How can we elevate performance if we don't include people during planning and execution? Cadets must practice dignity and respect. Inclusivity, leaders, followers, teams, supports commandant's warfighter mentality. Enhances the educational experience of all cadets via exchange of diverse perspectives. Diverse teams outperform other teams, according to a study in 2016 by Rock and Grant. That's what they're telling these cadets. What that means is the Air Force wants cadets to stop using words like mom and dad. If you look further into this, I'm not supposing. I mean, they're they're saying this. They want them to, the cadets to stop using words like mom and dad. A diversity and training seminar instructs cadets to use words that include all genders. Consider using words they say like parents or caregiver instead of mother and father. I'm not making this up. That's what the Air Force recommends. So instead of writing home to mom and dad, cadets are supposed to address their letters to parent number one and parent number two. Representative Mike Waltz, he's a Republican from Florida, he's in the news a lot. He told Fox News yesterday that it's been a tradition in the military to get letters from mom and dad or your boyfriend or girlfriend for as long as there's been a military. Good grief, they've made movies and written books about that. Now we're instructing, he says, every cadet entering the Air Force to to not say mom and dad, to not say boyfriend or girlfriend, and this kind of drives towards general 
uh, gender neutrality. He said, I think the Air Force should be worried about the macro aggressions against America that are happening all over the world. He said, cadets are also being told to stop using words like boyfriend and girlfriend. Partner is the preferred word. He got a hold of a slide presentation. I would suspect the way he got a hold of this is that somebody, a cadet, probably copied it or something and got it to him, someone who profoundly disagrees with this. I would suggest probably a lot of these cadets profoundly disagree with this. They want to serve their country, but they don't want to become that, which is what the Air Force apparently wants the cadets, the fighting, the warriors in the air to become. That's ludicrous. But anyway, this he got a, uh, Walt's got a hold of this slide presentation. It's called Diversity and Inclusion. And, and it, some of the headlines on it, I'm, I'm not going to get too deeply into this, but some of the headlines on the slide as it comes up on the screen says wh- what, uh, what it is, why we care, and what we can do. It, ad- it advises cadets to use person-centered and gender-neutral language when describing individuals. And one of, the, one of the things it says, and then it goes into how to accomplish this. In other words, this is what you're supposed to do. This little paragraph comes up on it, and it says, Some families are headed by single parents, grandparents, foster parents, two moms, two dads, etc. Consider parent or caregiver instead of mom and dad. It says on the slide, Use words that include all gender, folks, or y'all instead of guys, partner, versus boyfriend, girlfriend. And on it, on it goes. You got to know if I know this, China knows it, and Russia knows it, and Iran knows it, and they've got to see weakness in America right now. This cannot, cannot be good for our nation, and it certainly isn't pleasing to God at all. I got this verse. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 10. Got this along with the contribution in, in the mail. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 10. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Out of heaven shall he thunder upon them. The Lord shall judge the ends of the earth, and he shall give strength unto his king, and exalt him of his anointed. And exalt the horn of his anointed. That's a good word from the Lord. Thank you. And thank you to all of you who support this ministry. It is vitally necessary. Wouldn't be here without you. Thank you so much. We need your support. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Let's talk a little bit about Customized Christianity. There's an extensive world survey conducted by Pew Research. It's funded by the Templeton Foundation. Pew says if recent trends, and it's just published, Pew says if recent trends in religious switching continue, Christians could make up less than half of the U.S. population within a few decades. Underline the word could. Pew reports that since the 1990s, large numbers of Americans have left Christianity to join the growing ranks of U.S. adults who describe their religious identity as atheist, agnostic, or nothing in particular. This particular um, survey caught my attention, and I'll tell you why, and that's why I want to talk about this. 
because there's something to be taken from this for us, not necessarily what they're suggesting, but something that I see glaring at me. And I just wanted to pass it along just so you'll know, just so we'll be informed on this. I don't necessarily buy into, I mean, I, I read them, but I don't put a lot of stock in what Pew and some of the other secular polling uh, organizations say, because I don't think they truly understand religion. Maybe they do, but I don't think they understand evangelical or biblical Christianity at all, uh, because I've been reading their reports and their surveys for years, but there's valuable data in there. I just disagree with some of the conclusions that they come to, but in this, they take a little different tack. Instead of associating their their demographics that they come out with, their data, with church attendance or a kind of church like Episcopal, Presbyterian, whatever, um, it's with what a person actually believes. They're not asking them where they go to church or, well, they, they, there is a question about if they attend church, but that's not the point of it. It's a massive survey. But the point of it is that they're asking them what they believe, and that's what caught my attention. So with that in mind, Pew reports that since the 1990s, large numbers of Americans have left Christianity to join the growing ranks of U.S. adults. Now, again, that's based on what people are telling them they believe, not necessarily what the people are telling Pew where they go to church, like, you know, First Baptist or Third Baptist or whatever. So it occurred to me as I was looking at this, If religion is no longer important in the mind of the Joe Bidens of this world, who claims to be very, very religious and devout, I think he uses the word, if this is happening demographically, and if religion is no longer important to the mind of the secular, let's say, lawmaker, say the president of the United States, claiming to be devout Catholic, but we know his words and his actions don't match up, neither do Pelosi's. So if religion is no longer important to America, why would religious freedom be important? And that reminds me of cultures that we have seen come and go before. Germany, Hitler's Germany is one of them, started as a religious movement. In the end, it was, well, we know what it was. It was Nazism and one of the most barbaric times in history. So if religion is not important to the masses, why would a politician think they should work to protect or put themselves on the line to protect religious freedom? Because it wouldn't be important if religion isn't important. We also want to underline the report from a different perspective. Someone else said about the true church The gates of hell shall not prevail against my church. We know who said that. He wasn't taking a survey. Jesus Christ is the leader of the church, the Christian church. It is his church. I want to take a closer look at that. Is there a shrinking church in America? Pew's report begins with this. What if Christians keep leaving religion at the same rate observed in recent years? What if the pace of religious switching continues to accelerate? What if switching were to stop? 
but other demographic trends such as migration, births, and deaths were to continue at current rates. They've they've woven all of these demographics into this study. And again, one of the reasons that I spent a little more time on it than I normally would have. But to help answer the questions, Pew Research Center created a model of several hypothetical scenarios describing how the U.S. religious landscape might change over the next half century. Keep in mind, I I don't know about the next half century. I, I believe we're living in the end times. I'm simply telling you what they're taking from what people told them, not about where they went to church, but what, about what they believed. The center estimates that in 2020, about 64% of Americans, including children, <clears throat> excuse me, are Christian. People who religiously unaffiliated, who are religiously unaffiliated, they say, sometimes called religious nuns. I've talked about that, N-O-N-E-S, not N-U-N. But I've talked about that on this program. They accounted, they say, for about 30% of the U.S. population. Adherents of all other religions, including Jews, Muslim, Hindus, and Buddhists, totaled about 6%. So when they're talking about religion, they're really talking about Christianity in America. There is, though, this caveat. Depending on whether religious switching continues at recent rates, speeds up or stops entirely, the projections show Christians of all ages shrinking from 64% to between a little more than half, 54%, and just above one-third, 35% of all Americans by 2070. Over that same period, they say, the nuns, people who don't go to church, they don't believe in any kind of religion, would rise from the current 30% to somewhere between 34 and 52% of the U.S. population. So what is switching? I mean, what do they mean by that? Well, they say in some cases it could be described as religious conversion. In other words, a Muslim could get saved and accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. I mean, they're not saying this, but and they could become part of the family of God, the true family of God. So they say in some cases... Switching could be described as religious conversion. It's defined in their report as a change between the religion in which a person was raised in their childhood and their present religious identity. Again, not the church they attend, but what they believe. Current rates of switching are based on responses from more than 15,000 people. This was a pretty good-sized survey. And it came down to two questions. It asked the people in these 15,000 people, in what religion, if any, were you raised? And what is your present religion, if any? What do you believe? They also found that in many cases, switching does not happen in a single moment. Religious nuns, N-O-N-E-S, often describe their disaffiliation as a gradual process. Isn't that biblical? The Bible talks about incrementally slipping away from God if it, these people were raised in a biblical, biblically Christian home and environment. But it talks about this incrementalism of backsliding, we would call it. Nuns are simply those who claim no re- re- religious affiliation. They claim religious beliefs of, uh, are at best atheist, agnostic, or just nothing. <laughs> this is different from previous surveys, as I said. And that's why I took a look at it, because it's based on, again, 
what people believe. Pew says this report focuses on Christians and the religiously unaffiliated and the two most common, very broad religious identities in the United States today. Muslims, Hindu, Buddhists, and a diverse array of smaller groups make up 6% of the culture. Any committed Christian will find some concern in these stats. I did. Yet there's a prophetic assurance. First, why is this happening? The bottom line, Pew doesn't try to answer that question. But George Barna does. He wrote a... he. He did, he did a survey, and then he wrote an article about it, and I've included that in an article that I wrote today on our website, on faithandfreedom.us. And Barna says that most Americans blend their beliefs to create a customized worldview that is far from biblical as the country is in a spiral crisis, spiritual spiral crisis. Barna believes the evil one, he's a Christian, of course, is luring people into believing that they can combine and adopt as many worldviews as they want. In other words, they can customize Christianity. He's warning that America is a nation in crisis because its citizens do not hold a truly biblical worldview and will instead add their own worldly ideas and kind of make a religious kind of a religious worldview out of it and say, "Yeah, I'm a Christian," and you know, but Joe Biden is a Flaming example of that. President Biden misstated the Catholic Church teaching on abortion yesterday in a speech in Los Angeles. I think it was in Los. It was in New York. He was talking about a, a, a abortion at this fundraiser in New York, and he was criticizing Senator Lindsey Graham because he's introduced a bill making all abortions illegal after 15 weeks. Biden said, and he was very forceful about it. He said, "I'm talking about no exceptions, rape, incest, no exceptions, regardless of age." and on and on, he told a story about a 13-year-old girl who was pregnant because of a rape, and it's very sad. But he was making the case that us folks who are pro-life are way out there. He said, my generic point, and I would happen to be a practicing Catholic, I'm quoting the president, I would happen to be a practicing Roman Catholic. My church doesn't even make that argument now. Well, that's a lie. He's either uninformed or he's just outright lying, which he's done a lot of in his life. I don't know which, but it's not true. I looked it up. The Catechism of the Catholic Church teaches, quote, human life must be respected and protected absolutely from the moment of conception, even in cases of rape and incest. I'm not a Catholic, but you can look it up. That's what their catechism is on life. The Catechism of the Catholic Church and yet he's out here telling, as president of the United States, telling people and the world that, no, my church believes this or that. That's what I'm talking about. And it happens all the time. Pelosi recently said that the Bible tells us that God wants us to worship the environment. I mean, man, man, that's pantheism. That's not Christianity. So we live in that kind of an environment where we, we kind of move, you know, we, we move all of the little things that are really important to us into and under the banner of Christianity, and we look at at Christianity from the outside rather than from the inside. Perhaps well-intended, but a culturally friendly gospel has emerged in which it seems that we can direct God rather than being directed by him. We fashion a gospel that is more of a motivational tool than the transformational power of of the biblical gospel. Only 2% of American parents with children under the age of 13 have a biblical worldview. That's concerning. 
I have much more to say, but I have no time in which to say it. Thanks for being with me today. Have a great weekend. I'll see you on Monday. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.